Yeah. Isn't that what they say, hiatus? Yeah, that's the word. There we go. Yeah, so I guess we should explain why we've been away and what this new format is. Yes. Do you want me to do it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so we decided that um, to optimize our format towards Anchor and um, to really just do these like little 10-minute segments. And we're going to do them as much as possible, hopefully daily, maybe even more. And then um, collect them at the end of the uh, week into an actual podcast that we drop in your regular podcast app. So if you want to listen to each segment, you just tune, you just you know get on Anchor, follow us, and listen, and you'll see little notifications and stuff, and you can listen to each. Uh, or you can just wait till the end of the week, or however long when we decide to drop it, maybe twice a week, who knows, um, into your podcast app. Yeah, so did I explain well. that right? Yes, you did. Yeah, so this is just a little explanation of that, and I guess that's it, right? Yep. Yeah, all right. I hate the news. Here we go. Hey, guys. Really love the podcast. Uh, I, Sarah, you guys are doing great. My name is Jeff Dolan, fellow uh, writer, director, editor, and uh, launched my anchor about the same time you guys did and uh, about to release uh, my first narrative short film. It's a sci-fi. It's called Phase Six. We went way too ambitious uh, with 10 actors, 10 locations, 20 VFX shots. Crazy went you know, way overboard. My question to you is I'm kind of at the point where I, I just want to hit the button and publish it, but I know I have to do everyone justice and properly market it and release it and maybe even do the festival circuit. Uh, it's, an, it's a 10-minute short film, uh, sci-fi Um just wanted your input. Wanted to uh, hear what you had to say about it, uh, latest and greatest. So really appreciate it and love you guys. Take care. All right, our first caller. Yes, I'm pumped. My favorite thing about uh, Jeff here is that he actually pronounced my name right. I love that because my family has known you for six years now and they still don't say it correctly. So way to go, Jeff. Yeah, I need to do my friends, so it's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that, first of all, I just want to say that I think it's really important to, once you've realized that you've taken on a massive project, that mm -hmm. maybe you bit off a little bit more than you can chew, to just like give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back because I think often we consider it yeah, a bad thing like oh man like I've, I've really overdone this and I've oh, I've overestimated my abilities and the thing is that, like it's better to fail if failing is what's going to happen mm -hmm. because you tried to be exceptional and you tried to make a big beautiful project that's a really good point yeah versus like failing in the other way which is that like you just didn't give it 100%, you know? Um, yeah, that, that kind of like makes sense uh, according to what I was going to say, which is um, I think, net, well, considering what you just said, I think what he should do is look at his project and be really honest with himself and go, like, am I disappointed with this? Show it to a few friends, see what they think, but like, 
you know, really get honest feedback, right? And if yeah. you think there's something there and you're just exhausted, like you just can't take it to the finish line, but you know the project is good, then I think you should take a little break, get your energy back up, like just stop thinking about it, take like a week off. Mm -hmm. um, then afterwards, come back, find the things that made you excited about this project, the things that got you inspired in the first place. Soak those up. Forget, forget about the project. Just go back to the influences. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get excited again. Like if you watch those movies and this and that, and then when, when you catch that spark, then go back and like finish it up. But Absolutely. don't do all of that. If, if you think if, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know, this thing isn't what you want it to be. It's better than to either put it out or sit on it and then go just move on to something else. But I, I don't know what the case is, Jeff. So it's really like, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of that advice, which is kind of what you've told me, like when I've been working on big projects, so like, listen, when you're three quarters of the way done, you hate it. Like mm -hmm. you, Everybody you does. Don't, you don't want to finish it. You're, you're just like, fuck it. This is too much. Like, mm -hmm. and that's how you know that you're getting close to the end. And, exactly. And um, you're getting scared too of like all the potential like feedback of putting it out. Like you don't know it, but subconsciously you're nervous that you're like, the ending is getting harder because it means it's getting real, you know? Right. And also like, it's easier to just shrug off feedback. If they're like, well, I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't give it a hundred percent. I didn't finish mm -hmm. it. So like people don't like it, then whatever. Um, yeah. Versus having and, to kind of own it. So, and like the final thing is also like, you know, um, like I think you mentioned this earlier, it's just like, there's no shame in like failing. Because let's say yeah. this thing doesn't work out and you're just like, ah, oh, shit. You know how far ahead you are of other people? Like you just, exactly. that was your film school. You just learned a bunch of shit. Now go put that into another thing. Like you always got to try to find like the, uh, like the silver lining and the positive side of like these projects or you, you, you're not going to, uh, what is it? Um, like you're not going to prosper as an artist, you know? Exactly. I think you, it's too hard that you way. have to, you have to go back. Remember why you love it. Like rewatch the films that made you, want to create mm -hmm. something to begin with and then for me i have to like plan it out especially if there's like a lot of like little steps involved that's in, a like, good finishing idea. Yeah. something just like i tell myself okay here's like a basically an editorial calendar of like i'm gonna do 30 minutes every morning on this or and that really helps because then you just you just chip away and you feel good for that day yeah because you don't do any more than what you would you just you know exactly. gave yourself there's the going to be yeah. some stuff that you love to edit and some stuff that you hate to do. So if you just have to, if you grind through the stuff that you hate, you know, for an hour, I think that's what it comes down. Love. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to is that this is a lot of this is psychological trickery. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to trick yourself into finishing. So if you're feeling bad, just figure out how to make yourself feel good about it. If that means exactly. taking a break, whatever, you know, but yeah. Uh, so I guess that was our first caller. And I think maybe like a <laughs> hundred episodes from now, we'll be like, Hey, it's Jeff, our first caller. <laughs> no, I I want to actually I want him to finish. Yeah, do something so special. See it. I want to see it when he's done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, show it to us when you're done or before, whatever. Yeah, send us, send um, us the stuff you hate now, and we'll hopefully. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopefully, this was uh, this was helpful. So awesome. Thanks for calling, Jeff. Hey. Hey. <clears throat> so Justin Timberlake is dropping a new album. Yes, he is. And I'm you... pumped. I didn't think I'd be pumped, but I'm pretty Yeah, I didn't either, to be honest. I'm pretty excited. I wasn't a huge fan of um that track he released on that uh it was a soundtrack or something for a kids movie. I don't know. Do you remember it's it was like the album? No, no, before that, like over the summer. Uh, oh, no, I didn't we that. hadn't heard from him in a while. And he, it, it was like very like adult contemporary, like 
it like didn't dad music yeah i was like dad like mom music like vacuum music you know oh god that starbucks would have your album back in the day like, yeah and so i thought okay he's just gotten older yeah you know and i, I kind of wasn't into it and then <clears throat> he released a single i think or like a like a taste of the album a few uh was it last week yeah it was two tracks it's two tracks but the first one i wasn't like i wasn't that hot on you what do no, you think i don't love like the the, intro, the album yeah it's not my favorite when compared to the other one but sometimes that happens like mm-hmm. like if you look at taylor swift's like pop albums the first few like singles that she releases off of it they don't they don't they never drop the hardest like the best track right off the bat and then yeah and then she releases the whole album and i'm like oh they these work like you get this mm-hmm. really beautiful album and and the feeling because i went on his youtube channel just in timberlake's and watched like a, a making of kind right, of right yeah yeah the man of the woods thing yeah um, and it sounds like he's really an album versus just like having a bunch of singles yeah like i wasn't that interested until i kind of saw that thing too and then like and this is before the second song came out and i uh I watched that and you got the sense of like i really liked what he said about like <clears throat> mixing 808s and americana mm-hmm. and that really clicked with me i was like oh that's like that's a cool direction you know Nobody's done well, that yet. And... Also, like, dude is from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so you really get this kind of, like, this, he has this appreciation. Authentic Southern, yeah. Yeah, for kind of classic Southern, like, rock and roll and country, because that's what he was raised on. Totally. And so it's interesting, I think, now, and maybe it's because he's an, he's an older artist, he's, like, well-respected, he's, like, solidly... Uh, kind of in his in his field, and he has nothing to lose from like having a little bit of fun with that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a bit of a gamble, right? Like, like he's having fun, but it's like I'm not sure if everybody's getting it right off the bat. Yeah, we'll know when the album, especially drops, but... after taking what four years. Yeah, yeah, four years off, that's right. and then coming back with this totally different. Mm, it's a different sound. sound, and it's like that's yeah. kind of what's excited me. Because honestly, one of my favorite mm-hmm. tracks of his is uh, "I'm Bringing Sexy Back," just because of like the sonics on that and what's he, what he's doing with mm-hmm. his voice. I always thought like he would head more in that direction, but um, and then he, did. then he didn't. But it was still cool. And now to see him kind of embracing something a little weirder is interesting. Like I wasn't a huge fan of "Filthy" that first track. Like this bits of it that I like, but overall it's like, what is going on here? You know, it's like, it feels like an identity yeah. crisis. You know, mm-hmm. and then, and and we're not used to that from Timberlake. Like since he's been in it on his own, he's kind of like whatever song he drops off his new album, like the first single is usually pretty great, you know? And, um, so, and then I think that was uh, a few days ago, right? Yeah. Like over the weekend, over I the think. weekend, Thursday, yeah. Thursday, Friday, something like that. Yeah. With a video. And I haven't seen the video. Video's pretty cool. Um, but that one got under my skin. That one was like, that, this is a great track. The melody of it. And like, it's kind of got this country vibe, but with like hip hop influences, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> That one's really dope. I've been playing that one a lot. No, it definitely... I think he he has this this swagger. Like, he's always had it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's something about creating art as you age and feeling comfortable enough in your identity and yourself, yeah. like, in your skin. Um, and, and also your body of work. Maybe he couldn't have... I don't think he could have necessarily done this kind of... I agree. Hip hop, country influenced sound. Mm-hmm. If he didn't have a really solid body of work behind him, I agree with you. To you know, fall back on people are of. willing um, to see where he's going with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They may not and extend that same also, kind of leeway to somebody who's new. For sure, and I think that like the 
um, maybe the genre or the average listener is a lot more open to to that kind of stuff now, whereas like maybe four or five, six years ago, everybody kind of wanted you to stay in your lane. Yeah, I think <clears throat> listeners are... Or, or be a rapper or whatever. You're right. There's like, there's like a more sophisticated palette that everybody has now. And I think that like, I mean, you know how I feel about Taylor Swift and that like... Yeah, yeah. I love her, even though I don't normally love pop music. Right. Um, but I wonder if you had like these kind of artists that that came out, like she was very solidly a country artist mm-hmm. for a long time, and then she switched. Came pop artist. People were like really upset about it. Like, but oh, she, she killed it. Her roots. Um, like who? But she killed it. I said. Oh yeah, and and now you see that all the time, where like people aren't like kind of pigeonholed into. Uh, into staying in one genre. And so it's really been, like, really enjoyable to see what's artists be more playful. You're right. And what's interesting, though, is that, like, <clears throat> even more than ever, taking these little, like, detours and, like, trying new things and stuff, the music has to stand on its own. Like, mm-hmm. no longer can a corporation or whatever, like, you know, force music down your throat by playing it on the radio over and over so you get used to it. Now, more than ever, it's like, you know, Justin Timberlake drops his first song, and we like it or we don't like it. You know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when these guys do take these experiments, if something kind of like swims, it means a lot because it means like the public has embraced it on a real level, you know? Not just on this, like, we heard it on the radio a thousand times. So now we love it. Yeah, we have to love it because yeah. it's just kind of like an earworm. Yeah. No. And this is the last supplies track. That one's really kind of stuck with me. I'm, I'm still playing it like a few days later, which is a big deal in this day and age. Yeah, no, and you you always are like trying something different and trying something mm-hmm. new. And so when you really love something, like when I was in Toronto a few days ago, like you had that thing on loop. Yeah, exactly. And um, and it it got under my skin, and that's what made me like kind of want to want to talk about him and like what what is this guy doing right now? Yeah, you know? he's got something. And also something you said about like swagger. I think there's like it's undeniable that. Like his influence is being inf- is being felt all, like all throughout pop music and even hip hop. Like I mm-hmm. think I think his influence has even gone into hip hop. Like you know, and you see a lot of the newer artists that come out, including Drake and stuff. They're clearly like borrowing from his swag that he kind of like really kind of embraced in like the two thousands. You know, post yeah. NSYNC. And I can even see certain actors that have his vibe. Like I think Andrew Garfield feels to me like somebody who's got like a Justin Timberlakey vibe. I never would have thought that, but then when you say that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I yeah. can, I can see And I've heard him talk about how much he admires him and stuff, you know? So there's a physicality and stuff. That's so true. so when people kind of, like, look at, look at Timberlake as, like, old and corny or something like that, I'm like, uh, I don't know, he's kind of like, you know, you guys are all kind of the sons of him. <laughs> 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 sons and daughters. <laughs> and then... No, he, he's definitely going to go down as, as one of like the greats of pop music, mm-hmm. you know, he's already like solidly in that field. And so it's nice to see somebody who's trying to like, not necessarily, I mean, dude doesn't have to make a comeback, but no, he no, has no. been like laying low for a while. And so it's nice to see somebody of that level still trying new things. Exactly. Well, and being playful and, and being risky. Pharrell, who's producing the album with Timbaland actually said that Tim, uh, Timbaland knows at this point that, uh, you know, anything he does has to have meaning. Right. And I think yeah. that's, that has to do with like being that old, being an older artist, more mature and like, you know, being able to try new things and all that and, and push the boundaries a little bit. Um, you know, what's really cool also is like the title man of man of the woods. Uh, at first I thought it was like, just like a Bonnie Vera kind of thing, you know, 
Right. I was like, what? Yeah. Is, where is he going with this? I'm not seeing it. And then it turns out his son's name is Silas and he and Pharrell and him were in a in a um in a session. Pharrell asked, like, what does Silas mean? He goes, You know, I never looked at I never I never I never actually looked at it. It's like my great grandfather's name and then like it's maybe even his father's name or something. So mm-hmm. um and then they looked it up in the studio and it turned out it meant man of the woods and they realized like that's like weird because his name is Timberlake, you know? And and that cool. and that um uh, they accidentally like bestowed this, this the name of the secret uh, identity exactly, and also maybe found the sound of the album and everything. You know, yeah. just thought it was really cool. Oh, last thing, one of the reasons I'm definitely going to check this album out. He, when asked what what he's listening to right now, he, mm-hmm. the only reply he had was Travis. <laughs> so you know, That's I'm in Travis Scott's my favorite right now. And I, I love that he just went with the first name because everybody knows who it is. <laughs> exactly, no need to say anything more. <laughs> all right, I think we covered it all. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll, guess we'll be back tomorrow with something else. Yep. All right. Love you guys. Bye. And we're back with I Hate the News. Yes. Um, Hold on. If it's if it's loud, it's because I'm making coffee because I need to be really caffeinated before I start complaining about my life. Oh, that's okay. I just emptied a can of Diet Coke, so. Oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so today's topic is, uh, I guess, what happens when you start falling in love with falling out of love with your medium, the thing yes. that you grew up being passionate about and wanted to pursue <laughs> your whole life, and then you start to work on it, and you're like. Uh... <laughs> That, yeah, and that's exactly where I am. I feel like, like I was telling you earlier, I feel like I'm in a committed relationship with poetry. Like, I love poetry. Poetry loves me. We belong to one another. This is like a long-term, like, right, yeah. call committed thing. I do not want to take its clothes off right now. I don't want to see it naked. I don't want to, like, <laughs> cozy up to it. I don't want to buy the beer. Nothing. No flirting. Like, no flirting. Like, I'm just in this, like, funk where, like, I'm committed, but I'm not, like, passionately in love with it right now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is strange because some of the the best poetry that I've ever read is, like, current modern poetry coming out of, like, writers and artists. Um, like, Ruth Awad, Kave Akbar, I think I'm pronouncing the names correctly. Okay. Um, just, like, beautiful stuff. Um, but... I feel like I've had to sift through so much crap in order right. to you, get to it. And so we, that's what we were talking about with film, like the democratization. Well, of, that's what we thought it was a good topic, yeah. We thought it was a good topic yeah. because it, it relates to almost any, anybody who's creative or probably anybody who's passionate about anything. At some point, you do fall, fall out of love with your thing. And, um, and you kind of have to figure out what to do, you know? Yeah. And so I figured you can talk, talk about it from your perspective and I'll talk about it from my perspective. But um, do you think that this has a lot to do with the fact that, like, there's so much poetry and stuff available now? Even films and stuff, you know, but just let's just talk about poetry first. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's 100 percent the reason, um, because like poetry is still very much like a rich white dude game. Um, <laughs> white <because>, privilege. <laughs> yeah, because like the, the publishing houses are. Um, a pay-to-play sort of sort of thing. A lot of them still... Um, They're still the gatekeepers to, like, um, what do you call it? Like, prestige, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and that has gone away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you have like small like, kind of independent publishing houses popping up and stuff like that. But generally, um, the, the big, you know, game changers, the ones that are willing to like get, pay you advances, that kind of thing, um, are predominantly owned and operated in the same way that they always have been. And so that keeps a lot of people out of the game, like, yeah. out of the game just from the get-go. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I really want to read. Stuff that's re- I can relate to, like as a woman or as you know, just from a different perspective. And you want to read like honest voices that are like, you know, not manufactured as far as like publishing and stuff goes, but instead like come from real places and real people and real cities and so forth and, and their and their experiences. But it's so hard to get to that. I'm assuming. Yes, and it's. I think it's always been hard to get to it, so I don't want to like blame the internet. You know, um, yeah. those kinds of things have always been difficult because you do have these gatekeepers. But now, because of the internet, what's great is that like you do have places like Twitter or blogs or Instagram where you can access people's work, and that's incredible and amazing. The only drawback is that there's now an exorbitant amount. Of bad yeah. writing to sift through. Exactly. And I think everybody's struggling with that. Like, because the same thing in movies, right? Like I told you, it's the exact same thing. There's so much stuff going on that, like, it's, it's become almost impossible to, on your own, sift through it and figure out, like, what's the good stuff. Yeah. Do, do you think, because I definitely feel this, but do you think it's lowered the standard of what people accept as, like, so I feel like a lot more people are into, like, let's say poetry or films and stuff that maybe aren't that good? But it's because that's what's easily accessible. Like, they can't sift through it either, you know? I think that writing, people have always kind of looked at writing, whether it's a, a poem or a screenplay or whatever, and been like, oh, well, I know the English language and I have a pencil, so yeah. I can also write. Right. Um, yeah. I learned how to write in the second grade, so I can And now, it and, and now movies are the same thing. way. Because not anybody can get a camera and say I'm a director. I know people have asked you like all the times, like when you've done like Q and A's and stuff. All people want to know is like what camera you're using, you're right. and you're like that. I'm like, that uh... You're not going to get the same thing. Um, and I don't want it to just sound like this is just like an eternal bitch fest of of me complaining about. No, you know, but I think when, because... but I do think when you get into these like, uh, guess you know, like these laws when you're not as interested in the things that you like once we're interested in it's it does make you a little cranky and a little pissed off and a little all that because so i think that you got to lean into that a little bit when it comes to this conversation because that's a part of it you know like like a part of it is your frustration right now absolutely and i think that one of one of the things that we were we were talking about yesterday when i was like weeding through you know all of my social media accounts to kind of like just really hone in on what actually inspires me like i don't need to have 500 you know german interior design accounts that i follow right I need to have, or even poetry know, um, like i'm sure you follow a ton of poetry stuff that maybe you don't exactly. read all the time yeah exactly and so um you know just i can pick out the ones that like really almost always move me or that i love or inspire me or, or just i really love the person even if pair like, down to the important them. stuff yeah and just yeah. like pair it back because like you're like weak little human brain can only take so much like stimulation Mm -hmm. good or bad and so just like i feel the exact same way having to check in with myself and being like okay um i'm struggling to like really focus on just the good stuff so like let's pare back like all the excess right because a lot of it's just too much stimuli that you're like being pulled in all these different directions that you don't even have time to like go and find the thing that you like because 
you know, Twitter notification, Instagram notification, everybody's telling you about cool stuff that's happening, you know? Yeah. So you kind of got to turn that stuff off. So like, that's what I've done. I've just turned all my notifications off so that I'm more in my headspace and I'm actually looking for things to like occupy my time and therefore trying to find good things, you know? Like and, one and- thing I do now is I sample movies. Like I just go through and do like 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. More than that. Let's say a minute or two, watch a few minutes and go, ah, no. And then I just stop it. And it, every now and then one catches my attention. And then I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then I'll tell you, know, you guys about it, you know? I try to do something similar because I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks now mm-hmm. um, where I try to just sample them. And then I'm like, if this isn't for me, then like, you know, I just don't buy the book. Um, but it gets hard because I don't want to like pigeonhole myself either. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is so much cool, cool stuff, especially like poetry events and readings and, and stuff going on that like. Well, there's real FOMO when it comes to art right now. There's so much of it, like fear of missing out, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I think that for me it's like okay looking at stuff also even though there's a bunch of stuff that maybe i don't love I, there's also a ton of stuff that is legitimately great art that's just not for me right now true it's like, yeah it's a yes instead of a hell yes and like being okay i do the same like, thing i just i put things off i'll watch it at some point or read it at some point i do want to see it but it's not a priority right now right and, and just focusing on like how do i stay that's a good way yeah well maybe my own, like yeah, where I'm at with, with my exactly. relationship with the medium. Well, I think maybe some, like, you know, some just tips on how to deal with this, like, when you do fall out of love. Because one thing I've noticed, and it's maybe just worth quickly mentioning, is that um, you fall in and out of love with, like, let's say cinema, or for you, it's, uh, you know, for you, it's poetry. For me, it's music, too, sometimes. Like, I, I learned early on that there comes these seasons, there come these seasons when you're just not interested in it. You don't want to, like, look at movies. You don't want to do anything. It doesn't mean that you're suddenly not... Like, oh, my God, I'm not interested in movies anymore. What it is is just that, like, it's a season. Right now, you're just not into this. You got to take, take a break, read something else, do something else, hang out with family, that kind of stuff. And then maybe in a few months, suddenly you're like, you watch some movie and you, you, you catch on fire again, you know? But, yeah. um, but it, my point with this is just that it's okay to ride out the lows when you're not that engaged. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to remember that because, like, I see everyone, like, super engaged and like loving it and mm-hmm. just, that's what like, it seems like because to them it seems like you are too right and i don't want to be like sulking in the corner you know yeah, exactly um, of the internet not liking anything and just like but that's kind of where i am right now um but as a creative you have those moments where you are kind of introspective and just kind of like not gelling with anything and sometimes that's also telling you that like you're not finding anything that's inspiring and then when you do find that one poem that just like kind of lights you up then suddenly yeah. you start looking for other stuff and then you're, then it's like, then everything changes. Now there's so much great stuff, you know? It's true. So, I mean, I, I hope that people will send me like stuff they like and their recommendations and stuff. I'll probably hate it, but um, <laughs> do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Send us stuff. We always like seeing things. What about film? Hey, kid. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we had just been talking about how, like, the democratization of uh, the internet. Right, last episode. Make it, mm-hmm. What? Last episode, yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. sometimes make it a little difficult to find the type of art that really moves you just because there's so much of it available. Exactly, yeah. But what's also really cool about the internet is how it keeps labels from being able to control 
up-and-coming artists. So Right, like and- studios and labels and uh, production companies and so forth. Yeah, and so you kind of, like, gotten me on to, I don't want to call them SoundCloud artists because I feel like... Yeah, I actually think that's, like, a... Yeah, I think that's a really, like, lame term to dismiss, like, a, you know, uh, hugely successful thing that's happening in the last couple of years. (laughs) Yeah, so basically, artists who have come up on SoundCloud is probably a better way to... Yeah, or, or maybe even any other way, like, any kind of indie way, but SoundCloud seems to be the way. Yeah, so you... Talk to me a little bit about Russ. Russ, yeah. He just actually dropped another single this morning, so this is timely. Um, I told you he's been dropping a single every week for, like, the last uh, – well, no, he took a little break as he had his album come out and he toured and stuff. But the uh-huh. way that he popped was that a few years ago, he just thought – he decided he's going to stop dropping uh, – start dropping one song every week. And he just started doing it. He had, like, 200 followers at the beginning. And I think for a year, it was about, like, a few hundred followers. And then suddenly, after a year or so, it started to pick up. Because people realized there's, like, consistent music coming in. It was always good. Yeah. And so, two years later, he finally kind of, like, blew up. And he's huge now. And I think he's so huge that the hip-hop media is just catching up. They're not realizing how big he is. Okay. You know, like, like the, just... the videos of, like, his shows and stuff. Yeah, they're like, like, they like look, ridiculous. They look yeah. huge. Like they look like you know he has a label, he has a team, like exactly. putting this stuff together for him. But apparently that's not the case. No, I think at the moment because of his last album, he partnered up with um, I don't know who the label is. He partnered up with somebody for distribution, so they have no say in anything he says. They just put the thing out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and the album came out and it did really well. And now he's back on SoundCloud dropping a song a week, which has nothing to do with the label. I think. Interesting. Yeah, and and um, I just thought he was like dropping a song here and there, but it's been like, I'll 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 like listen to a song, and I'll love it, and then I'll be done with it, and just as I'm done with it, he's dropped another one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is really fun. It's like this playful way of like treating, keeping your fans interested and give yeah. and, and giving them free stuff and, and it's, interacting and, with them. I feel like I feel like one of the great things about a medium like SoundCloud and also just being because you use a platform like that consistently is that you feel relatable um yeah and also i think anybody feels like they can do it you know right you're, it's like you're automatically empowering your fan base to yeah go and actually that's a really good point because i think a lot of russ's movement like mm-hmm. musically and stuff is actually empowerment music like it has to do with the fact that you know he was speaking a lot of the stuff into existence in his raps and now he's like the guy you know and a lot of people look at that and they're just like, well, he did it and he didn't have any team. He didn't have anything. And a lot of his music, his lyrics are about that as well. So people, like, it becomes a soundtrack to their lives for their, like, motivation and their drive, you know? Not a lot of artists can claim that, but he can because all the stuff that he says, he actually did. No, that's really, that's really interesting because um, you can see that happening. Like, we were talking in, in poetry and stuff. It's still a little bit more difficult. But you do have these mediums where, like, you're able to, and I always like reference Instagram, but um, we're mm. able to interact with these with these people. Like, uh, I, I got it. I, my mind is blanking. Um, no, I know what you're talking about, though. Like, yeah, there's like, a there's there's also this really interesting thing that's happening right now, which is maybe what you're getting at is like, um, there's these micro communities that are popping up around like artists that people like, um, yeah. and they're really they start really small, and then they start to suddenly blossom and like blow up. And by the time they've like, you know, really blown up, 
the, the mainstream has no idea. They're barely catching up. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a mainstream thing. Even like Russ, as big as he is, I don't know if he's mainstream. You know, like he's, it's, yeah. it's like his own thing. And so these micro communities are self-contained. The artists are able to sustain themselves off of their fans. And by the time they're huge, they actually don't even need the labels anymore. By the time the labels are yeah. hey, hey, like we want a part of this. Like, no, like you do it on my terms now because I built this myself. And that's happening more and more. And that's, that's really empowering to see, I think, for, for mm-hmm. a lot of people who um, I think like our generation was kind of told by our parents, you guys can grow up and be whatever you want to be, you know, and then, yeah. and then you try to do that. And then you realize that there's all of these like institutional, <laughs> you know, blocks against you. You just, you just remind me of that great Fight Club speech in Fight Club Taladurden talking to everybody. And he's just like, you know, we were all promised that we were going to be rock stars and movie stars. And like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no. Like every, I mean, I don't know how brown parents are, but like white parents, like, you know, you can go to school for like photography for six years. Of course you'll make six figures afterwards. That's not, that's really not a brown parent thing at all. (laughs) But But I think. But I don't even think it's just parents. I think culture promised mm-hmm. you that. The nineties. I think you. The nineties did, and the two thousands too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and but it was like you know, it's the American dream. It's the great like, it's the great th- thing that everybody's striving after, and it's kind of an illusion because it doesn't happen for everybody. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that it could happen for you. Yeah, and, I think, and then, and then you get you know, a five the music right now is uh, like is really kind of underlining that. And it's good. Oh, what was that? You cut uh, out. I was thinking you get like a five figure degree. And, 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 you know, whatever, like, really, like, niche form of art that you're into. And then realize you can't do right. anything with it. Right. And so I think what we've gone and done, like, as, as, like, a generation has been, like, you know what? Let's just, like, tear all this shit down and make our own rules. And <laughs> because otherwise, like... And the technology has just happened to, like, crescendo at the yeah. same time, you know? Like, I think the previous generations would have done something similar, but they just didn't have any options. And they definitely did in their, in their own na- ways, you know? But, um... In their own way, yeah. No, it's a, it's a really great time. And I think we were talking last week about how do you find great music? How do you mm-hmm. find this stuff, right? And I think if you look at SoundCloud and you look at these places, even Apple Music now has playlists and stuff, you can kind of get a sense of, like, what's popping. Yeah. You know? And, and you can... Music is, I think, easier than ever now to find stuff. Um, it's movies and poetry that's still kind of, like... You know, and, and and books and all those other mediums like that that's still a struggle but in music i think it's fairly easy now with like such big movements that are happening if you go on twitter you can kind of like very quickly get a lay of the land you know no absolutely um and i think that chat books which are kind of like i don't want to say they've like recently made a comeback but i think maybe they kind of have a little bit they used to be like they were kind of like pamphlets and they used to be like popular okay. like way back in the day and then people would just kind of write write longer collections or whatever, but they've started becoming more popular. I'm going to say in the last year or so, where you make these kind of like micro mini collections, which is probably what mm-hmm. mine would have been had I known that chapbooks were a thing. Right. Um, well, next time where it's, where it's like 30, 30 to sixty <laughs> pages or so, where you're able That's to cool. put this like little mini collection in, and then so you me- have these like small publishing houses that will will put them out and print them for you um and so you i'd love to see an example of that if you can send me oh one. like someone's chapbook or something oh yeah there's like, tons of yeah i've never seen that of, yeah. um, like artists on twitter like uh, poets and stuff where they have 
you know, one, two, three that they've come out with. Um, right, because right. they don't cost a ton to to produce. Um that's the great thing. There's so it's like it's technology has democratized a lot of this stuff. Like if you have the talent, you can go and do it. Absolutely. Now. Like and, and what's nice is that they're really cheap. So, um, like mm-hmm. the Emma Press, I just ordered a bunch because they had one that they put out uh, called Pisanki, which is obviously by it's a Polish mm-hmm. collection by a Polish writer. Um, <laughs> right, Sarah's Polish corner. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just was able to order like a fistful of them for like four or five bucks each, you know, um, and, That's cool. and yeah, they yeah. just get shipped to me and it's, it's awesome. So you get a whole, you can kind of get like a micro taste of a bunch of different artists instead of having to buy one person's book, which is awesome. Right. That is cool. Um, have you, you haven't heard the Russ song yet, I'm right? I'm going to have to go listen to it because you, you linked me. All right. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it at the awesome. end of this episode. All right. See you next time. Friday. It's Friday. It's <laughs> recommendation day. Yeah, let's do recommendations every Friday. It's cool. Um, I'll go first. Yeah. All right, cool. I've got two things. I've got um, I just watched the uh, the second half of the Dave Chappelle special. Okay. So what it is, he puts out two every uh, he puts out two I guess every year, and he does it that he drops at the same time, so you can watch one after the other, right? And the first one is like a like, it's a big stadium, I guess. Okay. So it's a huge crowd. It's, like, jokes. And he's playing, like, you know, to, to, I guess to the mainstream, right? And then there's um, the second show is smaller. It's, like, more intimate. He's just sitting with a small crowd, and he's just trying out jokes. And I just watched that one, and it's amazing. I wonder what the, what the difference is. Like, if, if you, when you're on a stage like that, if you feel the vibe. Yeah, it's a... It's from- a- a different crowd and if it changes i mean i'm sure it does but it definitely um, does i don't know anything about the art form you know so it's, it's always interesting to me well, that's what's interesting um, that's what's that's what's cool about watching both of them back to back because you get to see the difference and like the energy and what he's doing you know but uh it's just it's really funny it's politically incorrect as it gets like so if you're like offended easily don't watch this but if you like being a little offended then this is the one for you and it's like <laughs> it's like it's cathartic and and he's saying all the things that people are thinking, but not saying, you know? Um, so that's my, that's my first one. I love it. Like, I'm, I'm actually blown away at how good it is. Like, he's just entered, like, my top three. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm intrigued. Both of them are great. Both those specials are great. You should check it out. And my other one is, um, my second recommendation is a movie by Paul Thomas Anderson, who's, like, arguably the greatest filmmaker ever made. And um, also, probably one of my biggest influences. And the film is called Hard Eight. Um, Okay, I haven't heard about yeah, that. Yeah, it's, like, it's from like 1999. It's got uh, Philip Baker Hall and John C. Riley, Gwyneth Paltrow, Sam Jackson, before they were like huge, you know? Okay. And um, it's about this like down on his luck kind of loser dude who isn't very bright, uh, homeless. And um, at the beginning of the film, this older guy who's like a kind of gangster type uh, takes some pity on him and, and finds him outside of a coffee shop and says, listen, let me buy you a cup of coffee because you don't have anywhere to go. And, you know, he's a little suspicious, but he has nothing else to do. So he takes him up on the offer, has a cup of coffee. This They talk, realize that the other guy realizes that this guy's really, you know, out on his luck. His mother's dead. He can't pay for his, for a funeral, all this stuff. So he says, look, I'll teach you how to make some money 
And if, if I do that, will you pay for your mother's funeral with the money? And he goes, yes. And he goes, all right, come with me. So they get in a car and they drive to Reno and he teaches them how to play at the casino and how like little tricks and little hacks and stuff and how to a little bit money at a time, get yourself a room, get comped, all that. And then, uh, you know, this dim-witted guy is just learning from this dude. And then suddenly he cuts to two years later. And now he's like a partner with this guy. And you're wondering what happened in between. And that's when Gwyneth Paltrow enters the, enters the movie and same with Sam Jackson. And it's like, a, it's amazing. I don't want to say too much, but it's one of those like slow burn, pure cinema and like, Oh, also the most amazing thing about it is his debut. It's like his first film and it's got so much energy and so much like, um, uh, so many ideas. Yeah. And after okay. that film, I think he went straight into Boogie Nights, which is like one of the you know biggest movies ever. But yeah, that's my recommendation. I love that movie. Okay. I'm intrigued because I know that like a lot of my, my friends who, um, are into fashion and, mm-hmm. and poetry and, and maybe not cinema. as into as interested in cinema um have been raving Phantom about Thread. yeah yes and like insisting that i really need to go see it um so i'll have to uh i'll have to watch this one yeah all I'll this stuff is that. amazing you'd like it a lot you probably should sit down at some point and like show it to you <laughs> i'm surprised exactly. you haven't made me watch it already well this is this is your way of learning <laughs> That's, that's why we're here. All right, let's come back with your recommendations. Okay. Okay. So right. my recommendations are, there's only one of them. Okay. I, I sound like really low energy right now. Um, I'm trying to cut back on how much coffee I'm drinking. Because <laughs> um, you know that it's obscene. And I've been cutting so, it down on my intake too, but then just before this, I was like, I'm so low energy. I need to have some. So I had a Diet Coke and I hate myself now, but continue. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I, it's so bad. I feel like I'm like moving in slow motion. Um, and so, anyway, uh, my, I, I am more excited about this than I sound, I promise. Um, <laughs> my recommendation is really old. And right. It's like 20. Um, What's that again? You cut out. The the book was written and published in 1920. Oh, okay. Um, so I love that you always are like, here's something new and like culturally relevant. Like, <laughs> here's like a Dead Sea Scroll. I love that you um, consider a movie from 1999 new, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's still like, yeah, years old. <laughs> um, okay, so what's your record? So, uh, Kristen Lovren's Daughter okay. is a book written by Sigrid Unset, um, and it was translated into English. There's been from... a few translations from, it's Norwegian. Okay. Um, Sarah's and... Norwegian Corner. <laughs> Sarah's Norwegian Corner, yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a really good translation uh, through like Penguin Classics. She won the Nobel Prize for it. Um, because of how really? historically accurate it is. It basically is like, it's, it's divided up into um, three separate books. If you wanted to read like smaller kind of okay. digestible chunks rather than the entire thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm recommending it because I love to read it 
it, it takes you like the better part of if you're kind of savoring it or if you're the kind of person like me who likes to read a bunch of books at one time. Right. Um, it'll take you the better part of like several months because of just how big it is. Um, and I always like to start it like kind of right before the spring because it kind of follows the oh, interesting. of the of the book. Um, I've never done that. I tried to like match something to the season I'm in. I'll try that. <laughs> Because it deals a lot with um, with this young girl, basically. Yeah, what is it about? Her life, uh, this young girl named Kristen, and the first section is called the wreath. The second book is called the wife, and the third is called the cross. And so, basically, it looks at her entire life and uh, in in Norway, and also like medieval Norway. Okay. Um, and she's kind of growing up the daughter of a um, well-off landowner. And then she starts making questionable choices. Hmm. So she marries um, a divorced man who had children out of wedlock. And right. she, she also has this like deep, what makes it interesting is that she mm-hmm. has this like deep Catholic faith. Okay. And so it, she, she basically kind of wrestles with, um, you know, her morals and her ethics and, and her faith and, and it places it in this larger historical context. Um, and it's something that's really difficult to kind of explain, like, what it is. Which great art is usually it. like that. Like, even with the movie that I recommend, yeah. it was, like, hard to boil down because it's not as simple as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but like if you talk to especially like older women, um, when I bought the book, actually this older woman was selling it to me at the bookstore. She's like, I remember the first time I read this too, and you're gonna love it. And it was like this weird Like a bond. Yeah. Right. I mean this is um, this isn't really the same thing, but I feel like whenever somebody says catcher in the rye, everybody feels that same bond if you like it. Yes. Yeah. I think that like and also because it's such a huge book. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's this thing to kind of get through also. And so when you do, you feel like you've joined this like kind of tribe. Um, Can you mention the title one more time? It's called Kristen Lovren's Daughter. Okay, cool. Can you tweet about it too? Yeah, I will. I will tweet and I'll, it. And I'll, I'll retweet it. Okay, Catholic cool. I would love to talk about it. So. All right. 